Everybody and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me as always, Zach Schneider and Liz Tory. Today we're going to be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, the original Guardians from 2014. Uh, the third one's coming out this year, so we're going to continue to, to kind of do some some more damage on this franchise. This is one I've kind of been looking forward to since we first started this podcast, really since we first conceived of this podcast. But uh, just on the topic of movies, I'm just wondering if you guys have had a chance to kind of look at the uh, the Oscar uh, nominations for for this year or not? Yeah, they they've they've kind of announced it. Uh, I know we uh, I know we kind of fell off doing the news show. I'm just uh, so we don't have to go deep into it. I'm just I'm just wondering if you guys have any any strong feelings about any of the uh, noms one way or another i love that everything everywhere all at once is uh really up there mm. that yeah. makes me happy oh yeah. yeah me too that was that was one of those that it was, it was it's one of my it, favorites it was starting to get some buzz like like i know it won a bunch of golden globes and it was starting to get some buzz uh in the lead-ups to the nominations but other than that like I'm, i was also happy to see that that one was was getting not some some love because it was i think one of the best movies of last year and it, it came out so early in the year that i i would have thought that it would have gotten overlooked but because usually uh you know the awards baits movies tend to come out later in the year and i don't think that that one was particularly marketed as being an, an awards contender but it it just ended up being so beloved that it it did end up uh it, it kind of receiving a, a a lot more love than i think was was kind of expected i will say that the one thing that i'm disappointed about is i'm not going to use the s word i'm not going to use the s word <laughs> but is the uh that the woman king did not get nominated you know viola davis it's aggravating but that's the only thing that bothers me this year yeah i didn't see the movie and i actually think that was kind of the problem with that one is i think a lot of people just didn't watch it to yeah. be honest like yeah I, I i i need to probably watch check that out at some point i'll probably stream it at home at some point it was just one of those movies that like i watched the trailer for it is like i i kept thinking it was an ad for black panther 2 it's like oh wait no this is something different like I, like every time God it would come it. on <laughs> like because like I, it just looks so much like a like a black panther type movie and it's like okay i guess i guess it's his own thing but like i did you join the police academy this year too no i'm playing all sams are bastards it was a really good movie mm-hmm. i finally got to watch it uh, I didn't get to watch it in theaters like I wanted to, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that made me sad. Yeah. That that was on my list. Um, I, I do wish that maybe that one had been nominated, but I, I can't say for sure I hadn't really seen that one either. Um, I am glad that Everything Everywhere got so many nominations. They're all absolutely deserved. Um, also, again, it's not a shock, but I am pleased to see that, you know, Avatar Way of Water got nominations in some of the categories it deserved especially visual effects i'm like yeah that probably should be the winner of visual it's, effects. It's, it's gonna win visual effects it's definitely gonna win visual effects i don't think it's gonna win anything else other than i, I don't know if no. it's up for like like kind of sound no. design or anything like that yeah. but i mean who didn't take a nap in that movie i thought it was great <laughs> i loved it did you see it was yes like three weeks ago and i just got out of the movie two <laughs> minutes ago right before we started this podcast now liz you really gotta work on that attention span i gotta say it's like 
It's like the fact that like after after a certain point, you really are just speaking for yourself because like the movie's no, three hours. I am long. a demographic. I am a demographic. There are other people out there with with the intention span yeah. of a gnat. I, 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 okay, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, like when a movie makes over $2 billion <laughs> in the box office, clearly people don't care that much. Like, yeah. that's kind of my thing. Like, you know why Avatar made $2 billion in, in theater? It's because it's a trusted name. They're like, oh, Oh, this is great. I have been waiting my whole life to to revisit this this alien planet that I fell in love with and nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. And they went to go see it and it was so horrible. They were like, no, it couldn't have been that horrible. So they went to go see it again and they were like, it was I that was horrible. I was going to say, OK, like, Liz, people don't. OK, if if, if it made 500 million, even up to a billion, you can you could say, OK, it's just nostalgia for, for having been been a long wait for it. But like to get to two billion dollars, people are yeah. seeing it multiple times. If it gets to two billion, people because are they seeing can't it multiple believe how times. How bad it is! It's but. not. It's a great movie, Liz. It's really good. All right, we might. I might have to change. We might have to repeat that next really week. Good. It's a really good movie. Like I just have to stir the shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is called nerd shit. Yes, <laughs> to a degree that. You know, people like to say that, oh, you know, even a bad movie can, you know, really succeed if, you know, it's got the name brand and the nostalgia. Secrets of Dumbledore did not succeed, and that's got the name brand and the nostalgia. Oh, I thought that one did well, actually. I need to look at the box. It did do well. Eh. It did do well. Never mind. Okay, I'm right. Nostalgia wins every time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Secrets of Dumbledore was great, though. That was that was definitely the best. It of was. The, uh, it was the best yeah. one of the of the franchise it's, so yeah, far. Of of the uh, of the Fantastic Beasts, I think that was the best one. Yeah, I really like Secrets of Dumbledore. Actually, this is a I trans really person good. that's saying a Harry Potter movie was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get hate. No, on Crimes that of one. Grindelwald was the shitty one. No, Secrets of Dumbledore right. was good. Secrets of Dumbledore was. actually was good. Yeah, Crimes of Grindelwald was. was absolutely shit. Good lord. Yeah. <laughs> the only yeah. crime of Crimes of Dumbledore was writing that goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as far as uh, again, as far as like the nominations go, like again, I kind of figured Avatar: Way of Water would get nominated just because the original Avatar was nominated, and it's still a huge like kind of technical achievement yeah. and everything, and it is a good movie. Like it actually like even like some mileage may vary. Like I have heard other people say they didn't like it, but I feel like with the Avatar movies, like people like it's because they're so popular that the people who don't like it have to be so vocal about not liking. It's like man, I didn't like it. It's like you're just saying that because everyone fucking liked it. Like honestly, (laughs) honestly, honestly, it was good. Yeah, it was. It was really good. It's just long. Yeah, yes. it went. It that's, went by for me. It. it actually went by for me. It didn't feel I'm like glad. three hours. I'm glad. Yeah, personally, for me, I do feel it was long. But the things that it lingered on, what kept it taking so long, is kind of the stuff I enjoy. Like you know, the little personal relationships, finding out more about the world, and like I, yeah, I enjoy these things. I enjoy taking some I time agree. out of the A story to spend time on this. But I did feel the same way about the first movie, too. Yeah. Too damn long. You know, it's like they put two movies together. And they did. No, they actually did the opposite with Way of Water. Like, his planned script for the second one, he ended up splitting into the second and third one. So this thing yes. would have been fucking five hours long if he had actually yeah. done his original plan. <laughs> like... <laughs> fucking Shakespeare. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's making five movies, Liz. Just be thankful he's not making a 10 hour movie because he could if he really wanted to. Like, <laughs> I know, and I would sit my fat ass through it too. I know. <laughs> Look, I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League in one sitting. So, you know. Oh, my I God. I, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. At Never least with ag- that one, it's streaming at home and they do actually chop it into the chapter. Yeah. So you can't break, you can break that up. That was smart. That yeah, was for sure. Smart. But yeah, I was gonna say the the other the big surprise for me for Best Picture nominations was Top Gun Maverick. I was not expecting Top Gun Maverick to be nominated for Best fuck? Picture, which is like I, mean, I, I know. Was, yeah. I was happy. I actually actually happy about it because like I think it's a great movie, but it's just it one is. of those oh things God, of like. No. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd say best picture, but it was it was really good. Um, it was actually a very very fun movie. It's also Star Wars, but you know that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, I I think the best thing about Top Gun Maverick is the credits. Okay, you're you're even like more in the minority on this. You're actually the only. Right. You're the first person I've ever talked to who doesn't like the but movie. But you know, like, that's the way they were about the first Top Gun. Oh, I hate Top Gun one. No, Liz, actually, I really don't like the first Top Gun. The first Top Gun is actually bad. The second one is so much better, though. Like it's so oh, yeah. much better. Yes. Like mm-hmm. it really no. is. No, it's probably yeah. better. I will give you that. It's better. It's but- not. Entirely coasting on Danger Zone and the Topless Volleyball Danger scene. Danger Zone! That's, God damn it! That's pretty much <laughs> the all the, the first, first movie <laughs> had was Danger Zone and Topless Volleyball. Well, and then the second the movie is like, like, like no, was pretty back then. Like the, yeah. second one, the second one actually delivered on what the main thing about this movie is supposed to be because like during the, right. the fighter jet sequences in the first one, I'm falling asleep during those sequences. Yeah. In the second one, they're actually super exciting, well shot like they did everything for real which is just awesome you know the IMAX cameras like all all of that is it was just so well done you know the fact that they they did everything for real but yeah uh well we can we can kind of revisit this discussion in in the coming weeks if there's any (laughs) any other kind of big uh any other big you know snubs or any any anything that we're we're happy to see but yeah but no I'm kind of with you guys like I'm just I'm, I'm mostly just happy to see every everything everywhere all at once uh, kind of get some Me love, too. and then other, yeah, other than that, absolutely. I just I just need to uh, I just need to to kind of catch up on on a lot of the, the nominated uh, films. But having said all that, we're gonna go ahead and transition into our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One. So spoilers start here for Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're gonna start by talking about these Guardians, uh, including Peter Quill, uh, the Chris Pratt character, who's kind. I think that it was definitely. One smart thing to me about the Guardians as a kind of a conceived team or this this version, because there's actually been a couple of different Guardians teams in the comics, but this is the more modern team. But like, I like the fact that they have this one character who's a human from Earth that we get. This is the the good entry point that we can kind of relate to uh, as as we're kind of introduced to all these these really weird characters kind of around him. So. What, what what do we think of Chris Pratt and his portrayal of Peter Quill, uh, Star-Lord, in this first film? I would like to take a moment to say, and I realize I'm getting very ahead of myself, but I couldn't help but think of this on this rewatch. Guardians 2, and to some degree, every other film in the MCU that uses this character, really is selling him super short after rewatching this film because he's actually pretty fantastic in this first movie. He's mm-hmm. he's billed as an idiot. In this film he's called an idiot several times. Yes. He's 
not. He's actually extremely quick on his feet. Um, even in the first scene when we meet him, when he's in the temple, he has all these tools that he specialized tools that he was using to go in and commit this heist that he then immediately repurposes into his escape plan. Incredibly quick on his feet. He's charming. He talks his way out of situations frequently because he doesn't go in guns blazing first instinct. Um, he is a fantastic POV character as well in that, yeah, is he a perfect person? No, but he does have good instincts and he was raised pretty rough. And yeah, I love seeing his arc to become a more of a heroic person because that's kind of who he always wanted to be. He's just, you know, lived in a world that didn't really reward that behavior in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, he, as you said, he's an extremely fun point to go in. I love the little bits of 80s music of, you know, 80s music, the classic nostalgia, classic pop, just to ground us a little bit more as we go into this incredibly fantastic universe. And yeah, he's a really fantastic POV character with a lot of heart. I can't see anybody other than this asshole playing this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Pratt playing Peter Quill is a lot of fun. Just because you see a lot of the things that he's done in the past, the sitcoms that he's done in the past, he plays asshole very, very well. And he enjoys that archetype. And it's just so much fun to watch him play in the space and with the other characters. You know, uh, I will say, I like what they how they complement the mother's story in the second movie the backstory with the mother, but the beginning was very trite. You know, they're reaching for the, for the tears a little too much and they're using, they're using the idea of cancer. It's like, uh, how can we kill off the mother? Let's choose cancer. Yes, that's great. Cancer. Let's do it. You know, it's trite. But other than that, the beginning still gets to you like the beginning of up. Or in my case, that's how I feel. The formula works, but you you kind of get tired of, of seeing that same old thing. But that is the only complaint that I have whenever it comes to Peter Quill. I love his relationship with Yondu. I love that he has an individual relationship with all of the characters. And the prison scene, you learn so much about all the different characters, and you see Peter Quill kind of grow on them. And they have to protect him because... He's basically their bounty. So I don't know. It's fun. I like Peter Quill. Yeah, I think they did a really good job in this movie of balancing the humor with the heart. I mean, you know, Liz, you're talking about how you, you felt that. And I, I realize you're not really complaining about it that much. No, like, like, I'm not. But yeah. we're talking about, you know, the, the, the backstory with the mother. Like, it's one of those things. It's like, I mean, what what else were they going to do? Like, have her die in a car accident, which is also cliche. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Like... I, I just I just feel like and, and and they they end up tying it back in. They kind of explain her death in the second movie too, which I think mm -hmm. kind of 
But with 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 I don't know. I I think they did a really good job of balancing the humor with with those tearjerker moments. I mean, you say that they're kind of reaching for the tears, but I mean, if they're doing that, they always succeed with me because like I always get misty eyed. You know, I, yeah. honestly, it's 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 the they beginning, but time. it's it's actually more the end of the movie. It's when he's reading that note from her yeah. at the end. That's what that's the scene that always gets that's to the me yeah. when I yep. when I watch the, this movie. It's like that's that's a, it's a genuine like really emotional scene, and I I don't know I I just. I I think that they they again they did a really good job of like he's he is kind of the um the sad clown character in a lot of ways that he is this he is. funny guy he is this roguish guy but he's he has such an intense sadness on the inside but he's also such a man child at the same time that like he he never yeah. really matured fully like he, he he can see himself almost like trying like. You see, this is a kid that probably grew up watching Star Wars and purposely tried to model his personality after Han Solo, but yes. it's not quite, you know, like, that's that's how I honestly view Peter Quill. That's actually what I see him as, Han Solo of this yeah. universe. But but again, it's a kid who, like, would have grown up with Star Wars, and it's like, yeah. that's who I want to be, and that's who he's yep. trying to be, you know, is, is kind of how I view it. And it both kind of succeeds and fails, but in kind of the right way, you know. It's it's a weird yeah. kind of kind of thing of you know, of like like I like that he he is this this mixture of kind of calm and collected or or, or, or like kind of cool under pressure, but also at the same time it kind of has this chaotic nature of like always kind of fucking up but still being competent at the same time, like. Which is also a little bit of that that kind of Han Solo archetype too. So no, yeah, I yes. think I think he's he's one of the the best characters. I I will say he's one of the best characters in the movie. But like all the characters in this movie are so good, so it's it's kind of hard to say. But I also agree with you. Is I I I honestly having seen this movie, like Chris Pratt was such an unexpected casting. But after having mm-hmm. seen the movie, I can't picture anybody else playing this character no. as written. As written in this movie, I I think that he just is the guy. I think he's so perfect in this role. He lives oh, yeah. it. And I still love Chris Pratt. I know the internet is outturned on Chris Pratt, but you I know. still love him too. Yeah. I still love him too. I, yeah. I say what I you know, you gotta look at him like this. He's an asshole. Okay. He's our asshole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of my feeling. There's a couple of scenes almost back to back that I think do a really good job of showing that, you know, mix of calm and chaos inside him. And it's in the prison arc where as soon as he gets in the prison and the guard steals his headset, he just completely loses it, loses any sort of rationality, you know, claims that the t- deck is his, that song belongs to me, you know, immediately gets the, uh, you know, the shit kicked out of him by the guards because he cannot handle someone else getting, grabbing that because that's one of his only ties with Earth. That's one of his strongest emotional ties. And then a scene later, he interrupts Gamora getting stabbed in the shower with a calm, extremely cool, under pressure, rational explanation, immediately cluing in on the motives of Drax and the other prisoners and immediately finding a way to reach them and, you know, prevent anyone from getting shanked. And those scenes happen almost completely back to back. And that's the thing is he is smart. He is you know, cool under pressure, except where it hits him, you know, where he lives. And yeah, I think that adds so much dimension to him. My favorite line in the, uh, that, that shower scene is that was my favorite knife. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me laugh every time. 
But yeah, and of course, uh, Yondu, of course, we, we kind of touched on him. He's the um, the Michael Rooker character who, of course, Michael Rooker is is a close friend of James Gunn and is in every James Gunn movie. But like, I, it, it's just perfect casting. And like, it's, it's just a great kind of introduction to this character. I love the scene where he's... He, like we, we we he where he uses the 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 whistle arrow for the first time and it, it's it's just such such a cool scene you know we'll we'll go more into Yondu whenever we review Guardians two since that that one's much more his movie but I thought that was that this was a really good introduction to his character as well you know they they do a good job of keeping us guessing as far as how much does Yondu actually care about Peter you know because like it it, it seems to flip back and forth and. We kind of it, it find out that he he really is kind of projecting this this air of like you know yes not not caring about him to his to his guys you know when when actually he does and I think Michael Rooker does a good job of playing those layers in his his performance too absolutely I like how Yondu keeps you guessing throughout the whole thing especially the scene where he looks like he's right about to execute Quill and you know he even starts the whistle and the arrows right at his throat. But also, he takes a honestly not super convincing argument and immediately lets go of the execution and decides to go in on Quill's plan. You kind of get the impression he was basically asking for Peter to come up with a reason not to execute him or kill him. And that's kind of Yondu's thing. Anything to save face. Exactly. I love watching Yondu in this movie. But watching it again after watching it again, after seeing the second one, you do kind of pick that out. I was watching him more like I was watching Vader, um, you know, and you were talking about, uh, Zach, how you're guessing just how much he's protecting him and just how much he's projecting that air and putting the two movies together. Um, Sam, you said you said you feel like they did Yondu justice in the in the sequel, and I completely agree with that. It's a beautiful, more complex character arc, and I love that they don't let on in this movie. Yeah. I love that it's it's just a matter of you see this quote unquote flat character and you think he's just gonna be this pirate that goes back and forth. And and he is a pirate. And he does go back and forth, but that's him playing politics. But I don't think he would have ever hurt uh, Quill. No, watching like again, watching the movie for the first time, they make me think that he would. But watching it mm-hmm. now, especially mm-hmm. after having seen the second movie, I'm I'm actually now more convinced that he never would have actually hurt no. him. Yeah, he never no. would have actually done it. He was giving him open cues so that he could react. That way he would say, okay, bygones be bygones. You know, it's like when he pulls him in and he goes, that's why I kept you around when you were young. And after he just told him twice that he saved his life because they wanted to taste Terran. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I also love at the end, after Peter switches the orbs and he opens up the orb and there's the troll inside and his reaction is like, yeah, that's my boy. You yes! know, that's, that's yes! like my- <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Star Lord. <laughs> two daddies, two issues. <laughs> Best line ever. Yes. And it really sums up this movie. But yeah. for all of us with daddy issues, it's a good damn movie. <laughs> yeah. You get, you get Thor Loki, same daddy, same issues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
Okay, so I think that they should team up uh, Loki and Peter Quill in something somewhere, because everybody's groin will explode on mm. Earth you when know we what? see them together Loki like that. Loki popping up in a Guardians movie would actually be fun, because he's a similar kind of morally dubious character who does ultimately sometimes do the right thing, you yes! know? Yes! Like, yes! I, I think he would actually kind of mix with these characters pretty well, you know? It would be fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah, but I also, like, I kind of going back to Peter and his relationship with his mom, like, I, I also, I, I love the use of music in this movie and the use of the oh, songs from the mixtape as absolutely. this connection that yes. Peter has with his mother. Fucking genius. Which also just creates this really fun, really nostalgic, classic rock kind of soundtrack that we have over the course of this entire movie. From the moment that you have that, from the title shot, um, where you immediately have uh, come and get your love. Yes. Over these decayed, horrific ruins in this temple <laughs> search, and you have Peter dancing around, singing into a rat <laughs> that he grabbed. <laughs> You're like, pulled in. It it yeah. It immediately tells you what wonderful insanity this movie's already going to be throwing you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And. <laughs> Also, I cannot watch this scene ever again in the same light because I get drawn in and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I remember them going back and I remember them seeing what was going on and you get it from the outside without the music. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is so fucking stupid. <laughs> he's so fucking stupid. And they even say he's an idiot, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, those, those opening credits for this movie are actually perfect. Like, first of all, and this is such yes. a this is such a weird thing to say, but this the, I can, maybe this is more just like kind of the classic movie lover in me. Like, the art of opening credits in a movie is so lost nowadays. Like, a lot of times they don't even put up the title until the end of the movie nowadays. Yeah. And I, I kind of like it a little thing. It's like, okay, like, let's kind of get us into the tone of the movie a little bit. Like, get, get us a glimpse of, like, who we're going to be seeing pop up in, in this movie, you know? Yes. It's like, you know, watching this movie, it's like, ooh, Glenn Close is going to be in this. Like, I remember saying that, you know, it's like, I don't know. There's yeah. something kind of fun about that, you know? Um, yeah. So, like, I like that James Gunn always does that with his movies. With this one and I Guardians agree. 2 and The Suicide Squad all actually have opening credits in them, which is very few MCU very few MCU movies do. Like they, they think these might be the only ones. Like I, I think randomly maybe Iron Man two did randomly, but yeah, there's a couple of random I ones that think do. So, right? Yeah. And then so with with Quills, they, they, this movie sets up a mystery around Qu who Quill's father is. Did you guys suspect that it was going to be somebody that we knew? Like it ends up actually being a new character by the time we get to the second one. But I'm just wondering, like, put yourself in your 2014 minds. Did you guys think it was going to be something new or did you bring in like kind of knowledge from the comics with it, with this thing at all? And, and as far as what, 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 who his dad was going to be, I cheated and I looked it up and I said, who is star Lord's daddy, <laughs> Alexa? Yeah. <laughs> but, but they yeah. actually changed it from the comics though. It was they actually did. a different, it was they actually did. a different guy. Yeah. But yeah. I figured it was, I figured it was going to be a new character either way. Yeah. There was a half second. And of course they immediately debunk it like maybe a minute later, but there was like a half second where I was like, is it actually Yondu? Because at the very beginning, his mother says it's like, oh, your daddy was an angel. And then at one point, right as... Yondu's asking for him to give up the stone right after the climax. He's like, I may look like an angel. And I'm like, 
Ah, uh, yeah. That? And then immediately, like, an a minute later, he's like, yeah, no, we're, we didn't deliver him to his actual dad. I'm not his real dad. Fuck that guy. Yeah. You know what I weirdly thought when I watched this in the theater is, like, if this was totally, like, me completely reaching, but I was like, what if his dad is, like, Thor or somebody? It's like, Thor's been around <laughs> a long time. He could have, like, been just, just hoeing on, on Earth one time, whatever. That's true. Like, yeah, that's that was, that was weirdly, that was weirdly my, uh, my theory for a little while. It's like, oh, it's another, like, blonde, muscular Chris, you know? It could be his dad. Yeah. That was my only theory, but then other than that, I was like, you know, it's actually probably somebody completely new, actually. Yeah, I knew it had to be someone that could survive in space. Yeah. So I knew it would have to be a demigod or something like that. I love that they started bringing in all of these demigods and all of these so-called gods in from the comic books into, into uh, the movies. It's just exciting for me. Uh, and then they announced Kurt Russell was going to be playing his father – and I didn't give a fuck who his daddy was at that point, because there is something about Kurt Russell. I don't care if he is 99 years old. There is something about Kurt Russell that will always make my loins shudder. I was going to say, he's not that old, Liz. <laughs> yeah. He's not quite All I'm 99 say yet. But... Is that the moment this trailer for the second movie came out, we saw Kurt Russell in that beard, and I'm like, mm, that's doing things for me. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I was just thinking, it's what like, look, who, who are you going to get to play Star-Lord's dad? And they announced Kurt yeah. Russell. And I'm just like, oh, perfect. That's just, that's just oh, great yeah, casting. Perfect. It's perfect great casting. casting. And then I thought, mmm, daddy. Because <laughs> I was thinking that, like, if this movie had been made in the 80s, who would have played Star-Lord? Kurt Russell, probably. Like, probably, you know? yeah. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God, that would have been interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about Gamora next, uh, who's, you know, Zoe Saldana kind of at this time was kind of cemented herself as the queen of sci-fi between Star Trek, Avatar, and this movie. It's like she was blue in Avatar, she was green in this one, and then she was just herself as a her at Star yeah. Trek. But, you yeah. know, it's just like... All she needed was Star Wars, and she'd have gotten that full, full Monty there. It's not too late. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's she true. could always be Ventress. You know what? That yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. <laughs> she could always be Ventress. I think she's. Uh, I think she's now actually uh, like she. I think she might be like the the actress that's associated with like the highest like box office gross in movies at nice. this point. Because oh, yeah, because nice. of Avatar, because of Avatar, and because of right. these movies, and she's also yeah. in the Avengers movies too. It's like you yeah. think right. about all yep. the movies she's in that have made ridiculous amounts of money so cha-ching baby cha-ching that's, yeah that's you want to make you, you want to make two zoe billion saldana. dollars just have zoe saldana somewhere yeah. in your movie and it'll make two billion dollars you know like, <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> yep that, that's the secret she she's kind of the straight man of the group uh but very she effectively is. so um mm-hmm. i i like the her Valkyrie. more i like her more the more i kind of come back to it because she's not the character that really stood out to me the first time i watched it but, like, it's easy to kind of attach yourself to, like, the more wacky, funny, or the more roguish characters. Like, she is more straight-laced, but I think the movie, the team needed that. The team needed a character like this to contrast. She's the warrior. Yeah, She's she the warrior is. archetype. Yeah. 
what's-his-face is the fool archetype, Rocket is the wizard archetype or sorcerer, and then Gamora is the warrior archetype. And she fills that role so fucking well. I love her throughout the movie. The line, keep your pelvis sorcery away from me. (laughs) Such a great line. Such a great line. Such a great line. (laughs) Your pelvis sorcery. Pelvic sorcery, yes. sticks up their butts. That seems cool. Yeah. <laughs> that almost felt like it could have been a Drax line, but it's it worked coming from Gamora. But it's it like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, Gamora, she is mostly the straight man, but she does have like a couple of fantastic lines, including, of course, the classic. Oh, we're just like Kevin Bacon now. Yeah. <laughs> yes! Yes, the dance. And I love that they foreshadowed that way in the beginning of the movie when he first meets Gamora. When they when they first start connecting, he talks about Kevin Bacon being this hero. And and then that's how they end it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, thank you. <laughs> did you guys, not, not to Fantastic jump ahead, callback. but did you guys watch the holiday special for Guardians? I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I love that they brought the Kevin Bacon thing back. It was right? so perfect. It was so <laughs> oh perfect. Oh my God, so perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brought it all the way through. I, I actually love that holiday special immensely. Oh it's, my it's God. Really it was fun. It was fun. Ever. Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, well, second best holiday special ever. We all know that, you know, the day of life and Star Wars holiday special. Star with Wars Blonde holiday Mark special. Hamill it's the, I mean, I yeah. I like the, the I like the cartoon sequence with the the Boba Fett cartoon. <laughs> that that was that pretty was actually cool. pretty cool. That was actually that was pretty actually, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah that like, was actually pretty cool. <laughs> Boba Fett cartoon was cool. The B Arthur section yes! was not actually <laughs> terrible. Like it was yes! really. It's like why this is a weird thing to have in Star Wars. The but okay, Arthur sure. in a cantina. <laughs> It does not get any better than that. There's no yeah. more badassery. I, I don't know why this is a thing in this special, but you know what? Take you know, it on its own. When Carrie Fisher starts singing that song and they cut to Harrison Ford, and you can just see the regret on Harrison Ford's face <laughs> of why, why am I here? <laughs> what am I doing here? Speaking of assholes playing assholles. <laughs> uh, well, no. Harrison Ford's just kind of a curmudgeon, you know? He's, 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 he's not really an asshole. He's yeah. just, he's just, yeah. He just, he, he just, never, he just vaguely never wants to be anywhere that he is. But you know, yeah, he is, <laughs> he is genuinely very introverted. Um, like he just does not like yes. crowds or public appearances, and therefore, oh yeah, he a hates very doing unfortunate Career for that. The video where he, where he's given this uh, Millennium Falcon Legos. And they're like, it took me uh, 60 hours to build this. And then he grabs it and he goes, oh, 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 do you still want me to sign it? And it's dropped and it's broken into a thousand pieces. <laughs> All <laughs> I right. Don't know well, if it was okay. I, not, I, did, I did push against saying that he's an asshole. That's kind of an asshole thing to do. As, <laughs> someone, so as, someone, as someone who was a big Lego <laughs> kid growing up, if I spent 40 hours building a Millennium Falcon just to have Harrison Ford fucking drop it, I would just be like, you know what? Fuck you, man! Like, and, then it was yeah. like, and then it was like, "Do you still have the pen?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that video. I don't know if it was set up or not, but I don't give a shit. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why we're talking about Gamora. That's right. <laughs> yes. She she has she has grumpy Harrison Ford energy, I guess. She does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I'm like, I'm reaching. I'm trying to bring us back. She could get away with that grumpy, with that grumpy Harrison Ford energy yes. because she brings yeah. her movie two billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. <Yep>. Exactly. <laughs> billion, not million, billion. Baby, you could be as bitchy as you want. You don't even have to smile. Yeah. Don't worry about it. No, she <laughs> she actually seems cool. I don't know if you saw her episode of she the does. hot ones that she did. She she was she actually was yeah. very she 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 comes across as being very friendly and approachable she, in the interviews. She but. does. Yeah, she's a straight man, like not so much of a straight man that she's completely boring, but she does keep everyone on track. Um she does like, actually, most of the group, especially Drax and Gamora, do a good job of setting the stakes of the rest of the team. And she has a good line early on. It's like, yeah, I don't care what happens to me here. It's way better than my literally my entire life before this. It's like, okay, well, that's fantastic. As the, as the trans person in this group, I'm excited to say she is the best straight man I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> God damn it, so stupid. Uh, Gamora and Nebula, together, their sibling rivalry, that they're willing to... I don't know if she's actually willing to kill her, or if it's like the Loki-Thor thing, to where they just played, but they kind of explain it as Gamora was kind of a lot meaner to Nebula. And, and I'm thinking, why would you want to kill your own sister? But then I remember that scene where uh, Nebula is standing right next to Ronan, and Thanos is like, how dare you lose my favorite daughter? I'm right here, bitch! I'm right here! That's that. Yep. I think that that was a lot of it for her. Is is that resentment? Yes. Is is it is is the again the the abusive like codependent like relationship yes, that she tortured. has with Thanos. The fact that she she hates Thanos, but she needs his approval at the same time, and then that right. that really, and then hearing that line of like my favorite daughter right in front of Nebula. But yes. I think I think Thanos does that because he knows that that's gonna make Nebula them like each other. I I, I think I, yeah, he make pits them against vicious. each other. That's that's part yep. of that's part of the way that he controls them. If she blames Gamora over all the torture that she went through, she won't blame Thanos, and she'll want to please Thanos because he's the one that tortures her. Still backfires against Thanos, but... And I'll say, like, again, having seen the later movies, like, it, it does, in the same way that my opinion of Yondu was kind of affected, my opinion of Nebula is kind of affected by having seen the later movies, but, like, you actually do see, when I rewatched, like, the first time I watched it, it was like, oh, Nebula's just an asshole, whatever. When I rewatch this movie, I see a lot more layers in, so in Nebula. Eyes, yes, um, like even even yeah, like the, her kind of reaction to after things she thinks she's just killed Gamora, and yeah. you see that there she is kind of there. There is this kind of pain, and there is this conflict behind there her eyes as, 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 as right after she does that. You know, yep. I I think that they, they did a good job of setting up setting the the seeds for Nebula to have a redemption arc, even though she is pretty much an asshole in this first movie, and she is completely yeah. an asshole in this yeah. first movie. She is. I love that line. It's like of all of our siblings, I hated you least. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, we find out later that she really did love Gamora, and she really did like want yeah. her approval, but also. You know, we find out, you know, more about the how they were raised and how, like, how much Thanos goddamn pitted them against each other, yes. both figuratively and literally. Like a couple of dogs. But that line says a lot about how Nebula interacts with the world. Like, her baseline towards most people in the world is just dislike to hate. 
And so that statement is basically as close as she can get to saying, yeah, I love you and I kind of regret this. Yeah. This movie is really the first full look that we get at, at Thanos. Like, we, we see is. a little glimpse of him at the end of Avengers, but th- this is the first time that uh, Josh Brolin plays him. And, yeah, it's it, they do a good job of kind of setting the, the stage, you know, for for the, this kind of arch villain of of the first uh, yes. saga, you know. I think we're in phase two, but, but I know the first three phases are the Infinity Saga. And and they they do a good job of continuing this up. I they also do. love the fact that the the Alexis Denisov character, uh, the the other is the the leader of the Chitari that they set up to be this right hand man to Thanos in this movie. Wrote it just like twist that guy's head around his head. It's like yes. uh, okay, so I, I guess I guess I guess we're not going to be seeing that guy yet. Okay. Uh, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I feel like in, in another world, like, that guy could have been, like, uh, another one of, like, the Anderson, like the Proxima Midnight and that those other two mm-hmm. guys from, from Infinity War. It's like, he could have been uh, one of those guys. Okay, no, I guess, I guess, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Poor Alexis Denisov. <laughs> yeah. Alexis Denisov is great. I'm glad. I'm glad he was in these movies. You know, even yeah. even if he was completely, like, yeah. I never would have known it was him if I, if I no. hadn't just looked it up, but... Also, yeah. also a frequent, you know, Joss Whedon collaborator, but because because he was he was in the Avengers first and then got killed off unceremoniously in this movie. But again, I, I enjoyed it. It was like you know, like f- fuck good. that guy. Like who cares? Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it made sense because it, it he was serves, all built it serves up to tell you both who Thanos and Ronan are, and that Ronan is impatient, and you know, as Thanos keeps calling him, he's a boy. He's never really grown up beyond his weird fervor. And Thanos also completely does not give a shit that, like, his, you know, basically closest servant, butler, confidant guy just got killed. It's like, "Eh, I don't care. No, he was, you know, he's like, okay, okay, you do your thing, you throw your fit, you go get your Infinity Stone, you'll bring it to me eventually. Come on, come on, I'll wait here. Fucking asshole. Oh, exactly. you killed my guy. He he's not important. It I have fifty matter. more generals to replace him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on the the kind of setup of the Gamora slash Quill romance? They, they kind of they, this movie just starts to plant the seeds for it. Really, I know. I know you may expect me to say my usual rant, but I love the way they do Gamora and Peter Quill because yeah. it takes several movies. She's her own person. She has her own voice. And after the first movie, she's not awarded to him as a prize for yep. being a good guy. I, I like that it takes several movies. I, that, Me too. That's, mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things that I think does make this this one work pretty well. Like, and it, sometimes I think this one feels a little bit obligatory of like, okay, we have pretty leading man with pretty leading woman. It just feels kind of yeah. typical, but again, I, I think it works because they, they take their time with it. And, and it yes. is, it, I, I think that that's what, what makes this one work better. I agree. I, I think it works well that in this movie is like, no, they, they don't end up together in this film at all. Like it also helps that Quill keeps shooting himself in the foot. Yes. When it comes to romance, it's like, you know, like right after he saves Gamora, it's like, this is the most romantic scene in the movie. And he immediately ruins it because, as you said, he's a mad child. <laughs> well, let's go into some of these weirder characters. Uh, we have, I, I just love the kind of duo, the partnership between Rocket and Groot in this movie. I think that the, these these are just a great pairing. 
Um, Rocket, of course, he's voiced by Bradley Cooper. Like, really, like, honestly, just a great fully CG character. Like, he's, he feels just as much like a, a character as anybody else in the movie. And just such an entertaining, like, kind of... for. I like that he's simultaneously kind of the plan guy, but he's also the chaotic element at the same time, mm-hmm. you know? I, I think that they, they do a really good job with the writing of this character. I think finding a chaotic element in the Guardians of the Galaxy is difficult. They kind of all are. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters in this film, and he's, he's fascinating because, as you said, he is chaotic. He can be... Impulsive. He's got an extremely short-tempered and a short trigger. Uh, he's got a massive inferiority complex. <laughs> and yet he is also the plan guy. He is incredibly smart and brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Both when he comes up with that plan at the beginning to get them out of prison, when he comes up with, frankly, most of the plan at the end, uh, when he, you know, and he's the fact that he's able to build like almost completely reflexively like build amazing tools and weapons um using just random scrap that he finds around yeah he's a great character and i love how much he balances like being this weird little guy and also the minute you see him in the shower scene when you you see the cybernetics in his back you just get such that sense of pain and loss that you know, they do really well communicating that both through the writing and also the way the character is animated. But frankly, Bradley Cooper's doing an amazing job with his voice work. Fuck here. yeah. Like, he brings so much dimension to this character. Yes. I love Rocket. He's my favorite character. He is my favorite character. I fucking love how ornery he is. I love that he tells people that he needs parts for a plan, and he always includes a prosthetic. (laughs) I'm going to need that man's eye. I'm going to need that man's leg. (laughs) And it continues. (laughs) I didn't catch it the first time I saw it, because, you know, why would I? You know, I have every reason to believe. It's like, okay, I guess he does need the leg. But I love... On rewatch, you could hear him suppressing the laugh yes. a little. He's like, yeah, and I need that guy's yes. legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is suppressing a laugh the first time he asked for the leg. And I was like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> it's like, now I'm going to need that guy's eye. No, no, you don't. No, it's super important. Just all sit. I have to say is that Rocket the Raccoon is all of us, especially mm-hmm. when we're all driving and we have to deal with traffic or whatever. We all feel that anger that little Rocket Raccoon has. Just me. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get it. <laughs> I have an inferiority complex, okay? <laughs> like, do I build massive guns in my shed and, you know, point them at people because I get so angry? No, but I felt that angry. <laughs> <laughs> he just handles it, you know, you know, much less healthily. <laughs> uh, and then of course, Groot, I think, is just the heart of this movie. You know, like he's 100%. he's he's the most kind of innocent character of the team. 
and yet still has these kind of scary moments of, you know, impaling, you know, 20 guys at once with, with his arm or whatever. But <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. He just brings, he brings so much heart to this, to this film. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a, he's a very simple, you know, character. Among, like, I don't mean that in a way that he's stupid, although he doesn't seem like a particular genius either, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that button. No. No, that's the button you just pointed at. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's nature. He's, he and, is, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's this kind of thing. He's there's a very common theme amongst a lot of films, actually in Hero's Journey in general, that for some reason protagonists do always need to have a connection uh to nature in some way, and he's that he's that inroad. He's that reminder that the universe is vaster and stranger and kind of defies categorization in some ways. And so he is the character who can't exactly be controlled in the team. Uh, he's just able to do a bunch of strange stuff that may or may not be useful at any given time. Um, and yeah, he is absolutely the heart. He's the sweet, occasionally terrifying giant tree man who... <laughs> has multiple scenes that bring just a weird sense of wonder and joy to the universe. Yeah, I think he's unbridled nature. I basically see Groot as like the summoned pet of of Rocket. <laughs> but he is unbridled nature because whenever whenever Rocket needs him, he's there. And we learn in this movie that he can sacrifice his life and still come back regrow and i i love that they i love the life cycle of a groot i love that they kept it unanswered in this first one and we're like we'll teach you more about him as as we go along yeah for sure a weird tearjerker moment in the movie for me is that that we are groot scene where of, of him kind of like yes, Actually, yes it's fantastic it's, it's such a great yes. it's such a great moment it's such a great emotional just completely uh, earnest moment in in the middle of the climax of the movie and yeah his death uh and and I do like the fact that they do show him start to come back as as yes. as, as a sapling in this movie but again it is also that that question which has been debated over whether the new Groot is him again or whether it's more of an offspring it's whether it's yeah. more whether it's more of his son mm -hmm. uh yeah. than, than the original but I personally think the new Groot's kind of more of his son but that's no I th I like the fact that it is not entirely clear and Frankly, even that scene that we are Groot, I like that none of that is explained. Uh, him, he doesn't explain why he can suddenly say more words than I, you know, one more word than I am Groot. He doesn't explain in detail why he's doing what he's doing or what he's thinking. And we, you know, don't even get an explanation of how he knows it's the time. But I think the temperament and the, and the attitude is the same in the two Groots. And that's, that's why I consider it the same Groot. I understand the argument, though. I do get it. Well, in a very literal sense, he's a cutting. Yeah. Uh, which... Which is a clone. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the last member of the team to be introduced in this film is Drax. There's humor with all the characters, but Drax was, I think, the most unexpected source of humor. Because, like, going into this movie... I actually thought that Drax was going to be what Gamora turned out to be going into it. I thought that he was going to be the straight-up warrior archetype. But they they, they completely, like, they, mm -hmm. he, he's, he's such an unexpected source of humor throughout this movie. And Dr Honestly, specifically in the first one, 
Drax might actually be my favorite character, to be honest. I actually yeah. really, really love him in this first movie. I think he's hilarious. I think that he 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 does have the, these interesting. He is also kind of a chaotic element that you know he's so he's so focused on vengeance at the the expense of really thinking things through at all, and does end up you know almost almost fucking everything up for everybody a couple times in this movie. But but I I, I love the, that he does eventually come around and 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 does you know willingly kind of become a part of this 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 new this new team this family including with Gamora who he was actually set on on killing to because of her connection with Thanos at the beginning uh, in his own words this green whore she is my friend <laughs> I love how seconds after he says that you know Nebula is I think she's about to call her like a bitch or something and then he immediately shoots Nebula's like nobody says that to my friend Exactly. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Yeah. Just color horror. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but that kind of shows you that if we, he sees saying these things, but he genuinely doesn't mean it as an insult. It's just, it's just like, ah, oh, that's right. what she is. She's a green whore. Okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no I, shame I in being a whore. That was. The <laughs> it's weird to say, but it reminds me in some ways of Leslie Nielsen's uh, comedic stylings, just in the sense yes. of. Playing the ridiculous completely straight. Yeah. And also, I genuinely love Dave Bautista's performance here. It is thoughtful and heart-wrenching and, as you said, hilarious. Um, again, I think later movies do him a huge disservice, both because they try and make him more broadly comedic without you know fully cluing into why he was so hilarious in this first film. And also, they make him a little bit stupider than he actually is because he's not he's extremely laser focused and self-serious but he's not really that much of an idiot in this first film but they keep playing him more as later on like his dumbest moment is calling ronin but also he's drunk and again laser focused on vengeance that's a character flaw not general stupidity yeah i agree i that's that's why that's why i felt the need to kind of specify that he's my favorite character in this movie because in the overall franchise he he falls off a lot for me after this movie because i think i think i think the writing for him gets pretty weak i still enjoy him i think dave batista still brings a lot to him but yeah he 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 falls off for me like honestly my favorite character in the overall franchise it's probably Star Lord, just because I think he's for me. He's the probably the most consistent. Like I, I hear what you're saying, Zach. How you you even had issues with with him in in the, the subsequent movies. But like I I think for me, I think he's actually pretty consistent from movie to movie, and I think he's 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 just that lovable rogue character that I always enjoy. But but Dr- Drax little, is probably yeah. my favorite in this specific movie. The way he's written and portrayed in this specific movie. Yeah, he he really brings in a lot of different uh, fans. Drax does uh, just the way that he's played. That Leslie Nil- uh, Leslie Nielsen style is a really good uh, description of him. I think Zach because it's that spoof humor that he speaks with in a realistic way, and he's super serious, like like most spoofs have have to be. Um, I love that he thinks that he can just make a phone call and tell Ronan to get to come down there. That way he can just take on the whole fucking army. I mean, that tells mm-hmm. you a lot about the mentality of this character. Um, mm-hmm. he is super, super. I don't know if I would call him. Yeah, he is arrogant. 
but he's arrogant because he feels naive. He is naive. He actually is naive. I agree with his that. His naivete and, and his arrogance go hand in hand, but he's arrogant because he is naive. And I think that's his biggest flaw slash attribute as a character. He's the muscle. And, you know, he, he plays that himbo, but they took the himbo archetype and they flipped it on its head, I think. It's a very different kind of himbo. Absolutely. I also love how genuine and expressive he is as a character, if that makes sense. Of all the characters, he's the one who feels like he's the one who's least repressing anything. You know, whenever he finds something that he sees, you know, that he thinks is hilarious or wonderful, he's you know, going to laugh immensely. If he's angered, he'll express it immediately. I really like that moment near the end when after they beat uh, Ronan and Rocket sits down and Drax is the one to sit down with him and try and comfort him. Like, he's he's weirdly a very open character despite also being a self-serious, you know, outwardly imposing. It's... He's not easy to nail down, and he's much more layered than at first he seems to be. And again, it's one of the reasons I love him. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that that's well put. So the early MCU did have a bit of a villain problem, and I, I Ronan the Accuser. I, I I don't know if if you guys have have any hot takes on this, but I I think he's completely down there with like Malekith. I think I think these are like the two worst. Like I I think he's just as bad as Malekith. I'm gonna, like I think the movie is better, but I think he, yeah. his his motivations are just as vague. Like he's just as bland and and you know personalityless. Well, he's a zealot. Yeah, yeah, he's a zealot. He's he's a little better, and there's a few I moments don't think he is. that, <laughs> but that's fair. Not much, not much. But in terms of motivation, he's just as bad as Malekith. Uh, his motivations are extremely broad. He is a bad guy because he's a zealot and he wants to commit genocide in the name of, you know, his faith and for vengeance. And it's extremely rote. What I like about him is that he's he doesn't fully understand what he's dealing and that's the thing he's a zealot he doesn't understand he doesn't have a broad worldview he has an extremely narrow mindset of an extremely narrow worldview and the movie doesn't forget that it doesn't like when he is dealing with you know anyone trying to negotiate with him you know, obviously it fails because he's extremely single-minded. But also, when when he's on the ship and he uses the stone against the Nova fleet, there's a moment where he's just completely dumbfounded because he just failed to understand exactly... You just see on his face that he fails to understand how much power he has and how much outside of his worldview this was. There's a moment when... There's a fantastic moment when, you know, he lands and he just gave his big speech about he's going to clear Xandar and then, you know, Star-Lord starts dancing at him and he just says, oh, what are you doing? And he's in some ways just as naive as Drax, but he's much more malicious about it because he doesn't want to know. He doesn't care to know about any of the universe and to me, that's a little more interesting than Malekith's deal. Not much more, and he is an extremely broad villain. And the fact that, you know, this is uh, that we don't get anything after him and people don't really reflect on him later is completely fine. 
but it makes him a good foil for the Guardians and also, yeah, just slightly more interesting and less aggressively boring than Malekith, in my opinion. So here's how I feel about Ronan the Accuser. Ronan is a zealot. This movie came out in 2014, and I think that Guardians of the Galaxy, with all of its silliness, the comedy, I think that they were able to actually take a stand against zealotry. What were the issues near 2014? Think about the election of 2012. It was all about legalizing gay marriage and keeping it legal. It was all about, uh, it was all about, uh, abortion. So the country was fighting each other and headbutting about superstitions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it superstitions because that's what it is. Ronan is the representation of all of those superstitions about you're going to hell. We have to cleanse. America is falling because America does not have its morals anymore. Put God back in country. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. All of this is crushed into one big ball, which is Ronan. And we needed a flat villain. And Marvel looked at the world and said, what's going on? What do we need to talk about? And they actually made a character that we can hate and made a stand politically. So, yeah, he is a flat character, but he is the flat villain that we needed right next to Ultron. Remember with Ultron, they complained about climate change. It was all about climate change and the people that were doing it. Because we have climate terrorists that are like, well, we'll just kill everybody. Overpopulation is the problem. Well, that was that's what twisted Ultron into being the villain because he wanted to kill everybody. Ronan wants to kill everybody that disagrees with him. And that's the true villain that we were having at that time. I don't think this villain breaks this movie for me. I think this villain makes this movie for me because when I watch this movie, I really enjoy the comedy, but I really, really enjoy that this small, unimportant character who thinks that he is a lot mightier than he is is standing in the middle of the universe saying, I'm going to crush the universe of everyone. I'm going to cleanse it of everyone that doesn't agree with my beliefs. I think that he, Ronan was the villain that we needed in the time. He was flat, but we needed him to be flat. I think that being flat is not the issue. Like, as you compare it to Ultron, like, to me, the difference between Ronan and Ultron is Ultron had personality. And I That's feel true. Ronan does not have personality. He does not. You're absolutely right. I honestly think that both of you guys just put more thought into this villain than the writers of this movie did. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I, Possibly. I, I, like Possibly. My, my Possibly. honest opinion is they were just like, look, we need a villain that wants to destroy the planet. Why does he want to destroy the planet? Uh, I don't know. He's a religious zealot of some kind. Sure. Why not? Uh, like, no, that's, they, they killed his dad in war. That's, Who knows? That's, what, <laughs> that's just what it felt like. It just it felt very lazy to me. But even as I say that, I think he neither makes nor breaks the movie. And that, and that, yeah. that was kind of why, why I got through that in there. Because like, I, I know that there are people that are like, oh, you know, the, the movie's only as good as this villain. And to me, this movie for me has always been the counterpoint to that argument. I think that, I honestly genuinely think Ronan is one of the worst villains ever. I think he is down oh. there. I think he is wow. down there with, with Malekith. 
some in some ways I like I almost even think I even kind of prefer Malekith better because at least Malekith has a little more style and a little more like I don't know he's like kind of cool if if nothing else like Ronan I don't know I guess his hammer is kind of interesting he's got kind of a neat hammer I don't know like but but you guys are I'm again I'm I'm glad you guys are finding things to kind of attach to like I can find nothing to really attach to with this character that he, I I think there's <laughs> I think there's nothing there with this character but the movie is still great because the movie is about the heroes it's not about the villain the villain is just there to move the story along and that's honestly how I feel and I think that when especially when you have a movie like this that has these these like these five lead characters these five main heroes, I think that it's kind of okay to have a, a character that to have a villain that's just kind of there to be the villain. I think sometimes that's all right. But if I am going to point to one major flaw the movie has, is I do think Ronan is honestly one of the worst villains ever. I, I, I honestly, I honestly think he is, in my opinion. I think he's yeah, just awful. I think it's a good critique. Yeah. I think he's awful. I really do. Like, <laughs> yeah. For all that I am saying, he's not as bad as Malekith. You're right. He's not good. He's he's not a fantastic villain at all. He is extremely bland and he's, and he's extra a weak point in this movie. He's very, yeah, forgettable. he's very forgettable. He has no charisma. That's no, also the thing. He no, really has no charisma as a villain. And that I think that's how you make a Which flat... Which is a shame, because Lee Pace is That's great. how you make a flat villain work. Well, same thing with Christopher. Christopher Eccleston's a great actor, and he wasn't able to save that character either. But the way True. you make a flat villain work is you give them charisma. I yes. think about Scar yes. from The Lion King, completely flat villain, but you get Jeremy Absolutely. Irons in there, and he he eats it up and makes it one of the best villains ever, despite being completely flat. That's you true. Know? Scar is is flat out a Nazi. He even has the yep. goose-stepping hyenas, mm-hmm. but he's got style. That's right. He's <laughs> exactly. got style. And like, if, if they had given a little more something, a little more yeah. charisma, a little more style, something to this character, I think I this character would have worked. You're right. It's, it's really the only issue I have with the movie, though. It, it honestly is. And so uh, I just want to touch on the Nova Corps. I like seeing John C. Riley in there. I like seeing Glenn yes. Close in there. Um, yeah. Just fun seeing those actors pop up. You know, I, I, I hope yeah. I hope they survived. Uh, you know, Same. after yeah. after Than- after Thanos showed up to their planet a little bit, a few movies after this, but I keep hoping that in Loki or in one of these little offbeat, uh, you know, we keep seeing the dog, the astronaut dog. We keep seeing him pop up in different places. I am hoping that in one of these in one of these shows, we're just gonna have John C. Riley pop up as yep. his character in this movie. Yep. Because I I could totally deal with more of his character. The Nova Corps, they're just so fucking stupid. Do you think he's a do, what do you think? Well I don't think anybody's a hundred percent dick. <laughs> exactly no i i, I love that line i was like oh, i don't know if i think everyone's 100 percent a dick yeah it's yeah. like honestly i feel like i i would see a disney plus spinoff about the nova Corps, just doing nova yeah, Corps things yeah. you know It'd it be could fun. be it could be like kind of oh, yeah. half police procedural half like workplace comedy like they could yeah. do i don't know i, I feel like you could yeah. do it uh, <laughs> it'd be fun i could it'd do be it fun. Yeah. yeah stupid uh, a marvel sitcom there we go yeah Exactly. The Nova Corp. Yes. It's the it's the Parks and Rec of the MCU. Yes! The Nova Corp. Yep. Fucking yes! yes. <laughs> and of course, a Parks and Rec sitcom about Marvel mm-hmm. should come from 
where we saw Star-Lord, you know, right? Absolutely. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, what, what if they actually did it as, like, that mockumentary filming style? It was, like, where they oh do the God, interviews yes. with them. Like, that. I, I kind of want to see this show now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm really having hyped myself up for something that is not even on <laughs> the drawing board. Happen. <laughs> you also have the collector who's a fucking asshole, played by Benicio oh, Del Toro. Yeah, he's the fucking like, worst. But again, this this is a good example if he's an asshole but he's got style i love these yes. like these yes. arm flourishes he says like oh no he's, he's one note he's got exactly one motivation he just wants to collect fucking everything <laughs> but then you get benicio del toro and let him just go hog wild yes. and yeah <laughs> benicio del toro he he plays this character to a hilt. Oh my god, so good. <laughs> but he's literally only in the movie to give exposition on the Infinity Stones. Like, that's the only, so that's the only that reason exposition. he's in the movie. But yes. he works so well. But he works yeah. so well within that. It's like, I love how he's, like, doing the whole, the exposition dump. And Rock, at the end of it, Rocket's like, well, that was fascinating. Like, it's like, what, what do we give a shit about this? You know? It's like, yeah. it, it's so blatantly, really, for the audience. But it also completely works. In, in context at the same time like <laughs> also just want to say again i love rocket like miming his uh extremely weird arm movements that he did it's like oh it's fascinating yeah <laughs> like, i know we're all just fascinated <laughs> <laughs> all i'm saying is that i want a howard the fucking duck movie now now you know honestly i would appreciate a movie that is just the in-between scenes of some of the mcu like how did he end up in endgame yeah. like did he get knocked out like five minutes into the battle and then wake up later probably <laughs> i just want a howard the duck movie and it has never it has never weirded me out in the 80s howard the duck how him and and this human lady had a sex affair. I don't care. Give me a silhouetted scene of a duck fucking the woman from the back. That's fine. With noises. I'm okay with that. It does not bother me. Just give me a Howard the Duck fucking movie. I'm more I'm more just thinking about ju just her, you know, her vagina just getting completely destroyed. Because, like, have you seen duck penises? Ugh. They're those weird little corkscrew monstrosities. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's like that. That wouldn't terrible. be fun. Uh, you never. But, you don't know. Do you have a vagina? You don't know. Have you ever used a corkscrew dildo? I no. It's <laughs> never really tempted me. Can't say I've ever right, Our to, listeners so. with vaginas, corkscrew. <laughs> yes or no? Corkscrew dildo. <laughs> Literally a corkscrew. <laughs> 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 Yay or nay? <laughs> yeah. They have dragon. They have dragon dildos. I'm just saying, corkscrew. That's, Let, that's let's true. Hear back from you. <laughs> uh, bad it. dragon. Bad dragon. If you're listening, uh, that's our new idea for you. Howard duck. the duck. Howard the duck. Howard the duck. Dildos. Dildo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, Liz, exactly. you might be surprised to hear me say this, but I'm actually kind of weirdly on board for an MCU Howard the Duck movie, especially oh with Seth, especially with Seth Green. I, I don't know if I need to see it as a full movie, but do it as a TV special, like the like the the werewolf or the Guardians thing. Like I think I'm fine. I'm fine I think do it as yep. like a thirty to forty five minute special. Okay. I would actually enjoy it. I would honestly enjoy you know, that, it. Yeah, that would be delightful. Yeah. I would love that. Forty five minutes immensely. for Howard the Duck. I'll take it. I will fucking take it yeah because <laughs> i i love i love that seth green doing the voice too that's yes. that's a big thing mm-hmm. for me yeah yes he is our howard the duck yeah he is our mm-hmm. howard the duck yes and the one last thing i'll say on this is that frankly we've been through the b movie if we can accept or at least if our minds can be traumatized into accepting uh, the idea of an adult woman <laughs> and a bee having some sort of relationship. <laughs> right? Then it's fine. You know, it's fine from there. You know, Howard the Duck can date whoever he wants. It's fine. And I love Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Jerry Seinfeld. He's a motherfucking genius, but he is vanilla. If we can buy a vanilla bee with with uh, a homo sapien, we can definitely buy uh, a duck that is aware of himself. And intelligent with a with a woman. It's never bothered me. <laughs> you know, I I have seen the B movie, but I gotta say the memes about the B movie are so much more entertaining than the actual movie itself. They are absolutely <laughs> yes. <It's> so vanilla. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad the movie exists, not because I rewatch it, but just because the existence of the movie is itself hilarious. No, it's completely <laughs> funny. Yeah. Like, the movie itself is not funny the way that it's trying to be, but the discord, the the fact that it exists, you're right, it's just the existence of the movie is funny. <laughs> you like jazz? No. <laughs> B is dealing my life, God. <laughs> Alright, sorry, my little, my little rant about the collector, and I saw Howard the Duck, and I fucking want Howard the Duck. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah no, I it's cool. like, I actually, I actually wanted you're, to no, touch right. on, we, yeah. no, we, we got the Howard the Duck discussion, because I wanted to touch on that. Yeah, they, they introduced Howard the Duck is MCU canon, because of this movie, so, he's in there. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect movie to introduce Howard the Duck to, it's, it's yeah. just, just, just the level yeah. of weirdness in this movie, yeah. it's like, well, why not Howard the Duck? Like, why not? Exactly. <laughs> I guess he's some kind of alien, some something or other guy. Sure, yep. why not? <laughs> uh, what about what about this this climax, the Battle of Xandar? Um, I just because I, I I've always just loved you know the fact that as as Ronan is is in the middle of his like a big damn villain speech and he just completely is taken aback by Quill doing the dance battle. It's like, come on, dance battle, you and me, bro. You know, it's just <laughs> just perfect, just just so good. You know, and they're just a great. You know, I, I like I I love you know um, Quill catching the Power Stone and then the gar- the Guardians uh, minus Groot uh, kind of uh, transferring the power amongst themselves like i think it's just it's just a great moment and you know the the way the way that they kind of coined the name guardians of the galaxy like it's 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 a little cheese ball but it also completely works at the same time you know it's it's earned yeah it's earned cheese ball it's yeah even that just moment where he sees his mother again and it's also clear that he's in an immense amount of pain Mm -hmm. and it just Going straight back to the beginning of the movie, going straight back to the heart of his trauma, and it's just a really great sequence. I don't know, like, 
yeah, it's 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 even hard to put into words exactly what makes it work so well, other than yeah, it's just fantastic. It's exciting. Um, a weird minor thing, but something I kind of love about this movie is that at several points you have characters who are. You know, either burning from the inside thanks to the stone, or when you have uh, Star-Lord and Gamora in space, and you have all these, like, characters who are played by very pretty actors, and the movie's also not super, not afraid of having them turn super fucked up looking um, from this. I don't know why I like that, but anyhow. I like the idea that we're introduced that... uh Star-Lord is a demigod earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. In the first half of the movie, we see him do something that no one would have survived. So we expect that he's special. They set that up from the very beginning so that when he grabs the stone, it actually makes sense. He can't hold the stone that long. And not by himself. No, and not by himself either. But he has the DNA, the Dana, and Dana don't lie, to be able to hold it long enough and share the share the power. That's right. Dino DNA. <laughs> <laughs> so in the beginning where they talk about the ring of people, the circle of people trying to contain it and not being able to contain it long, we also see that in the end. Once again, the formula is set up in the beginning of the movie some genius writing on James Gunn's part. He tells us the end, and he gives us the way he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we're ready to go into our overall thoughts and our score of 1 out of 10. Uh, I have a feeling about how this is going to go, so I don't think it much matters what order we go in, so I'll I'll go and start with Liz. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, Howard the Duck. I was given Howard the Duck. This is a 10 out of 10. I'm done. You know, Liz, we're reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy. No, oh, not Howard oh, the Duck. Oh, 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 my bad, my bad. Okay, my bad. Uh, this movie has daddy issues in it. This movie has some of the greatest lines in all of the MCU uh, movies. Some of the greatest lines. Pelvic sorcery. Done. Done. I... We have a main cast, an ensemble cast, and we get to know each one of these characters. We understand their personalities, and we understand that they're growing. We see them progress. We see individuality. They get their own special lines. They get their own special circumstance. They come with their own trauma. We even see that with all of the villains, quote-unquote villains, except for Ronan. I feel like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the best Marvel movies that they have made, even though the villain is flat. But for me, Ronan is a protest, and it is near and dear to my heart. I don't know if it was an accident. I don't know if it's just the product of the environment of when they were making this movie, and James Gunn is a flaming liberal, and he put his politics into a goddamn fucking movie that was made for everybody. All I know is that it holds a special place in my heart because it fights and it's hilarious. And so a 10 out of 10. Yeah, you know, uh, this group of characters, like the Guardians of the Galaxy was one of the most obscure Marvel properties ever. Mm -hmm. And this movie Mm -hmm. completely took it and it catapulted them to the A-list. They do what they they did with Iron Man, although this Guardians was even way more obscure than Iron Man was. Like mm-hmm. nobody fucking like even the Marvel no. nerds barely fucking knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were. I think I I no. heard the name. Maybe they were in an episode of one of the Avengers cartoons. Maybe, but I had never heard the name. Like most people, most people haven't, and that's the thing. No. Like this is the 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 most obscure. 
And yet, this ended up being one of their most successful franchises, just because the movie was fucking good. And that is that kind of shows you, like, when you have the kind of goodwill on the MCU, everyone fucking loved the MCU at this point, and you combine it with just making a great movie that has mm-hmm. word of mouth, great trailers, good word of mouth, and, and it, can, it can make a shit ton of money, become this huge, big franchise, and catapult all of these characters to the A-list, and now... Everything that gets made that's an adaptation of Guardians outside of the movies up to this point, they're not using the comics as the blueprint. They're using this movie as the blueprint yes. now. They completely yes. are. Mm-hmm. You look at the video games that have been made. You look at the animated series that have been made since then. They're based on this movie. Whether they yes. officially are or not, they're really based on mm-hmm. this movie. Not the comics, really. And that that tells you a lot that, that how much this movie really did move these 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 characters forward this movie is absolutely hilarious it's one of the funniest marvel movies in my opinion and and a lot of these movies are funny but this is one of the funniest ones there's so many great lines you know the nothing goes over my head i would catch it you know uh even, even if I, the one that i forget about but always cracks me up is when yondu is talking to the one uh like the one the the dealer guy and as the guy's talking he's like oh people 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 it's like and you can see sean gunn's character in the background just cracking up like you can tell that he's actually just breaking and it's just it's so good it's so good um i have said and i maintain ronan the accuser is one of the worst villains ever but it doesn't matter because the movie is so perfect the movie is still a 10 out of 10 it honestly is because the, the characters and the humor and the movie has so much heart and that and that heart is what balances the humor and makes it just not just a comedy. It makes it a well-rounded film with great characters that's also hilarious and also has great action, great visual effects. So absolutely 10 out of 10. My thoughts are going to be very simple. James Gunn was uh, given the task of taking one of, if not the most obscure uh, Marvel properties... And also told that he was going to have to vastly expand the scope of the MCU beyond any measure that it previously was. And he said, oh, uh, you also want people to fall in love with these characters for the rest of time, right? And it's like, well, you know, if you can't. And my point being that this movie's phenomenal. It came, you know, it had the MCU attached to it, but... No one was expecting anything from it, certainly not expecting what came from it. It's smartly written. It has an amazing ensemble cast. It is honestly tear-jerking it a few times, well-earned tear-jerking it a few times, unexpected times. It's an emotional and fun roller coaster that has an extremely bland villain, and the fact that that doesn't matter at all is amazing. It doesn't affect my enjoyment of the film at all to recognize the villain doesn't matter in any way whatsoever. It's just not important. This is a fun thrill ride from start to finish. That's also just smart and gorgeous. It's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And the the last thing I'm going to say about this is that they they do move the MCU forward. They do do really big thing, which is for the first time really explaining the infinity stones because we gotten little glimpses and hints at the infinity stones that like they're kind of mentioned at the end of Thor the dark world. But this is the first time we really get the infinity stones mentioned. And we also get the full introduction of Thanos. But at the same time, you can watch this movie. And that's why I think this movie works so well is you can watch this movie. This can be the first MCU. MCU movie you ever watch and it completely yeah. mm-hmm. works you're you're yeah. 
you don't have to do homework to watch this movie. And I, I think that that becomes mm-hmm. intimidating for some people trying to get into the MCU now is all, all the content they have to catch up on because like the movies they're making now, you kind of do have to watch fucking everything. You do. But like this movie, they they did a great job of both bringing in completely new fans while also moving the overarching story forward for people who have been watching from the beginning. So, yeah, I think that that's that's also a a great kind of hat trick that this movie was able to pull off as well. I have two things. Um, uh, If you don't want to watch all of the Marvel movies to catch up, you can always check out uh, Nerd Shit's podcasts on each of the Marvel movies because we do a really good job of making jokes all the way through them. So you can catch up that way and it's a lot it's a lot easier it it takes a lot less time. Um you can listen to them in your sleep. You can play them just keep playing them over and over again. Just play them over and over again. Play them over and over again. Let me know if the hypnosis is working. Uh send me an email. Also the second thing about this movie is Howard the Duck. I yes. rest my case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the, the people who listen to us in their sleep. It's like you know, I've never listened to nerd shit while I'm awake, but I feel like I I, I feel like I know them on a completely subconscious level. I yes. feel like I know it, yes. it just completely subliminally now. It's like let us just slip into your ear, like if you were making out with someone and they just licked your ear a little bit, you know, just. Oh, I, I bite the ear is what I do. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> See? See, Sam is, an, Sam is an ear nibbler. And I know you people out there love to have your ears nibbled. So play us in your sleep. <laughs> all right. Having said all that, Zach, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on the Facebook as Zachariah Schneider. Uh, they can also find me on what remains of Twitter and the Instagrams as Zachariah Schneider 4, Zachariah S-C-H-N-E-4, and my personal site, Zachariah-Schneider-Personal.HerokuApp.com. Liz, where can the folks find you? You can find me on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. If you have a budget, um, I'm really good at sucking. D- I mean, I'm really good at doing pitches. <laughs> no, yeah. On all social media, you can find me under the Liz Tory. Uh, stand up. I do the non-binary preachers kid presents, and that happens every month at uh, the Pack Theater at Broadwater Studios in West Hollywood. Come see me. Third Saturday at ten p.m. What are your hours for the ho- corner of Hollywood and Vine, Liz? Nine to five. Oh yeah, you're 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 a working gal, <laughs> working gal. What a way to make a living. <laughs> I work nine to five. What can I say? <laughs> there, there we go. Hey, I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at scwilson underscore actor. If you're a fan of really shitty but funny punk rock, you can find uh, my band on uh, Instagram at the Band of Boners or just under facebook or tiktok at gas station boner pills we're we're over we're going into the stratosphere at this point i mean I don't, I don't know what like as of recording this we're we're 1100 something uh monthly listeners on spotify so and at the rate at hey. the rate it's going up like we might well be at Woo-hoo. like 3000 by the time this comes out because it feels like that's the rate at which it's going up Woo. at this point but we'll see yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe not 3000 but you know f- 1500 easily but it's your milkshakes they bring all the boys to the yard yeah, mm-hmm. the, mo- the milkshakes. Yeah, they do. I-, I I have to really be careful about when I make a milkshake at home because the boys just will show up in yeah. the yard. I I have to I have to chase them off with the hose. You know, 
Damn it. It's a, it's a real threat. Exactly. And of course, you can follow Nerd Shit at the Nerd Shit Pod on all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the Nerd Shit Pod. We release episodes every single week. Make sure that you're subscribed to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Again, you're listening to us already. So on whatever platform you're listening to our voices on right now, hit that subscribe button. Give us a star rating. Leave us a review. Listen, if you leave us one star, at least leave a fucking review and say what you did like about it. Okay. I did Make actually it a see a shitty review. I actually mm-hmm. did see a one star review. review. I did see a one star review on Apple, but it had no review written next to it. It's like, well, that's that's constructive. Like, thank you. That, that does us like, no favors. <laughs> say something what? constructive. We can't get better if you don't tell us what exactly. we did. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care if the critique is is Liz is a fat bitch. Say something. Yeah, just so what uh probably just so what I, I pissed off at some point in life. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Fuck. That's right. <laughs> One star. Ha ha, we still got a star. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> hey, we we must review. We must say any rating at all that actually helps the algorithm for for us yes. getting discovered. So you know, exactly. Uh, we are going to continue the MCU next week and we're going to review Avengers: Age of Ultron. So uh, that's that's the next MCU movie. Uh, that's one I'm actually really excited to get into because I think that there's there's a Me lot too. to kind of. There's a lot yeah. to kind of mm. unpack with that one. There's there's a lot going on with that movie. So Ultron is I, one of my favorite villains. Yeah, actually for me too. He so is. we'll we'll get we'll he's, get into he's that. But for Zack Schneider and Liz Tory, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd shit. Nerd shit. Stay shitty, nerds. Nerd shit. Nerd shit. So strap on in. Girls are talking about the nerd shit.